My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. And when people can't afford a thousand a week, when they can't afford seven, eight hundred dollars a week, they're looking at what used to be four hundred dollars a week options. And when you've got like a massive amount of people looking at a four hundred dollar per week option, then it might ultimately end up being a five hundred dollar per week option. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode of Invest Like a Pro, we're chatting with founder and director of Housefinder, Simon Liu. He takes us on a tour of the rental frenzy just south of Perth where rental demand can easily get $500 a week for $395,000 property. With prices half of those closer to the city, the Southwest Western Australian market is set to become an investor's dream. Since Lou has been focusing on Western Australia, he's accumulated some interesting examples of what's been happening on the other side of the country. His latest case study emphasizes how rental appraisals are being blown out of the crystal clear waters that surround the idyllic area. I think um, one of the one of the things that I'm um, I've been uh, recently quite surprised with is the like we, we've all heard like in the media um, how tight the rental market is at the moment you know, the pressure of rents rising. Um, and I, I think I think in, in Western Australia or parts of Perth, parts of Western Australia, like in suburbs close to Perth, the examples of this happening is is probably one of the one of the one of the best examples that I, I'm seeing at the moment around the country. You know, um, the, the the some of the houses we're buying, like when, when we when we when we when we look at a property or any property we obviously come up with like a rental appraisal, right? Generally with the rental appraisal, we give a range. So let's say we go, okay, this house will rent for anywhere between 430 to 470 a week, right? 470 being high, 430 being conservative. Um, and we're finding as soon as these properties hit the market, they're actually renting for like 10 or 20% more than the highest range. And it's renting for that much, not because the landlord's like being deliberately, like they actually price it at, let's say, 450 a week. Um, but just because of the amount of competition, the amount of people applying, it just automatically, every single property just becomes a bidding war uh, to the point where these properties are just renting for ridiculous, ridiculous money. 
so there must be a huge yeah huge demand then for rental properties in in western australia why do you think that has come around the corner now because we've been seeing majority of the markets all across australia um, from eastern coast side where not only has rental been going up but prices have sort of slipped back in terms of you know purchasing sale prices of properties but um we're seeing something completely different happening over wa I think we we tend to forget as investors, and I know a lot of listeners here uh, are, already have properties and equity, and you know uh, maybe professionals with savings. There are a lot of people out there at the moment that are actually struggling. You know, we're talking about like you know like a standard um, uh, situation where it's like a a, a, a like a, a working couple with young kids. They don't have very much savings, um, and they need a place to live. And it's, you know, it's, it's that kind of pent up demand. And also it's, I think it's been made more, more apparent when things are starting to become more expensive now. So not only like everyday things due to inflation, but obviously things like interest rates and, you know, rising, it's, it's just created a huge demand for affordable housing within majorly built up areas. Right. And when people can't afford a thousand a week, when they can't afford seven, eight hundred dollars a week, they're looking at what used to be four hundred dollars a week options. And when you've got like a massive amount of people looking at a four hundred dollar per week option, then it might ultimately end up being a five hundred dollar per week option. Now, I know that sounds pretty bad, but five hundred dollars a week is still affordable for most income earners, even lower income earners as a as like a if you're talking like a let's say a dual income household and it's like a house with maybe three or four bedrooms where they can house their kids as well and all that kind of stuff so you know i've always always been like a a, a huge um uh uh advocate of affordable housing you know because you're insulated from downturns not entirely but to the point where, you know, whether uh, if you're in a, a economy or in a in a situation where, you know, people are unsure whether properties are going to go up or down, if you're in a affordable housing area, <coughs> you just can afford to sit back and see what happens, right? I think that's so important because a lot of people, as we're starting to realize now, interest rates are going up. Next year, a lot of these fixed rates are going to turn into variable again. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people caught out, unfortunately. Uh, so, you know, these these areas that are, are not only commanding higher rents, but also consistently in demand for rentals, investors should be really paying attention to this kind of stuff at the moment. So one of the examples uh, is in a, uh, uh, a suburb called um, uh, Erskine, which is about which is south of Perth. It's actually quite far south of Perth. Um, it's um, it's like an area that, you, you know, it's 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 kind of like an area where it's kind of half coastal um, and also within driving distance to Perth. I would say about takes maybe 30, 40 minutes to drive to Perth. So if you look at it from a Perth perspective, it's actually quite far out. You know, it's not a, it's not a city, it's not an area that's... Um, that's quite uh, accessible to the city. So, just wanted to understand, Simon, why did you choose that particular location for looking at um, purchasing for an investment for a for one of your clients? 
this area and surrounds we're extremely active in at the moment and the reason why we're picking this area is because this is where people are choosing to live right these are where the owner occupiers these are where the young families are going i'm not saying people young families and owner occupiers aren't living in perth itself but they're now choosing to live further away and near the water because not only is it a lifestyle decision it's quieter, it's nice, it's got more like a holiday feel, that type of scenario. But it's actually more, it's affordability is so big at the moment. So think about any capital city where you can still, where if you, let's say you're buying, because the Erskine house, we actually pay 395000 for it. And it's a four bedroom, two bathroom, two garage, brick house, about 20, 25 years old, big land, like about 600 square meter land. Um, you know, nothing wrong with it. It doesn't need any reno. Like think about in what capital capital city where you can still buy a property like that, that's maybe five minutes drive or a five minute walk to the beach, like a proper beach. And also within 30, 40 Ks of the city, you know, it's an extremely limited proposition. So I think there's a bit of a scarcity factor there as well. But we're, we're buying heavily in these areas because we've just noticed that there's like, if you're new to, if you're new to Perth and you don't have a lot of money, uh, or if you're in Perth and you don't have a lot of money, these are where young families uh, and owner occupiers and first home buyers are, are looking to set up, you know, their life, their, their family life. Um, and the equivalent of this kind of suburb to, let's say, within Perth itself, would be like a, a quite a like a low socio area, you know, because you can get properties for three, four hundred thousand dollars in much closer to Perth, but now you're starting to look at suburbs that are, uh, you know, probably a bit lower socio. So if you were able to go like 30, 40, km, 30, 40 minutes out outside of Perth, get something that's close to the water, very good solid condition, and you are to bring that kind of quality back into Perth, how much would you be paying for something like that in Perth? I would say at least, uh, you know, seven, 800K, that type of thing. And... That's a lot of money. I mean, it's like double. Just to be close by in Perth, you know, if unless you're working, yeah, unless you're working in the city and you need to be in the city, but due to COVID and people working remotely nowadays, is it a necessity? Not really. And I think like a lot of people, listeners may agree, especially if they know Perth, like a large appeal of living in Perth is to be close to the beach because the entire coastline is like a beautiful beaches and the beaches are there. Like so many, t- like I'm from Sydney and I, I go to Brisbane a lot, but the beaches are like completely different. I think maybe it's because it's facing west and the sun goes down. So you see like these amazing sunsets. <laughs> I don't know. That's just like, you know, it kind of it kind of creates a much more, uh, much more sort of scenic, uh, scenic scenario. But, um, but yeah, these areas like, okay, so, so coming back to Erskine, uh, Erskine, sorry, 395,000. We anticipated the rent to be about 450 a week. You know, that's what we presented to the buyer. And a four fifty per week rent on a three hundred and ninety five thousand dollars purchase is amazing cash flow. You know, for a house near Capital City. Anyway, the house settled within two days. The house rented for five twenty per week, and it wasn't because the buyer was like, "Oh, let's shoot for five twenty. Let's see. Let's see if we can get greedy and get like uh, 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 get the rent that we want." It's just the fact that it, as soon as it went online, so many people came in and applied for it, and 
yeah, it, you know, it just ended up being five twenty. What kind of what kind of tenant uh, took this property or rented this property out? That I actually do not know. <laughs> I'm just curious if it was like a family or was this. It would most likely be a family because as part of our process, we teach, um, not teach, but we advise uh, 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 our clients to on how to like have good tenant selection and what to look for and all that kind of stuff. So I would say most likely it was going to be maybe like a young family, uh, you know, with a couple of kids. Uh, uh, by and large, maybe like 90% of the properties we buy are tenanted to these types of demographic, this type of demographic, right? So, you know, it's, let's assume it's a good tenant because, you know, a lot of people applied as well. So I'm sure that like within those people, there's some not great, some are good. It wasn't really just about the price, but yeah, you know, decent tenant, uh, really high cash flow. And it, it, it's becoming increasingly important. We might talk about this on another show as well. It's becoming increasingly important that the cash flow that you get from a property is more of a priority than it used to be. To be able to cover the cost of holding or, or servicing if you've got a loan, to be able to cover that because the challenge is, is that the market is changing now. It's changing and like I've always said from day one, like property is a waiting game, Right. You want to buy something for a dollar and sell it for two or three dollars, and the time it takes to get to two or three dollars, nobody knows. So your job as an investor is just to be able to wait until that happens. And to be able to wait, you got to be able to service it or hold on to the property. Yeah, and from that you need cash flow. So the cash flow doesn't need to be excessive or exorbitant. It's not about making an extra hundred dollars a week as you hold this property until you sell it, but it's about just making sure that in whatever situation you're in. Employed, unemployed, COVID, no COVID, good economy, bad economy, it's just in the background doing its thing and you're not like it's not affecting your lifestyle or your family. And the worst thing I've seen, like we all have regrets, right? Most a lot of people say they regret not buying earlier. Probably one of the worst a, a worse a more worse regret would be like buying a property and then selling it prematurely. Right? So so many, I mean, happens obviously, and a lot of people are in situations where they have to force, be forced to sell it. Let's say they lose their job and they've got a property that's negative geared, costing them several hundred dollars um, a month or a week even to hold on to. If you lose your job, it's only going to be a matter of time before you need to sell that property. So you never want ever want to be in that situation. Coming up after the break, we venture slightly further afield. Another example, just you know, uh, a house in Greenfields. I don't know if people know Greenfields, but it's in uh, it's all the way down in an area called Mandura in Perth. We find out what the most important thing really is. You'll hear a lot of people say cash flow is not the most important. The most important thing is capital growth. He explains why not having a choice sometimes works out for the best. But I knew I, I didn't care. No, not only did I not care per se, but I didn't have a choice. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Sham, and you're listening to Property Investory. Have you been looking for months and getting frustrated that each property you've seen seems to be a lemon? Or are you after distress, off-market, high cash flow properties in high growth areas, capital city locations? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you're not alone. 
For being a loyal listener of the podcast, Simon Liu is offering a free one-hour strategy session normally valued at $500 to help put together an actionable property plan. To get your free strategy session, simply visit housefinder.com.au and fill out the contact form or call Simon directly on 0415-626-342 and quote Property Investory. Coming back to the house, Lou reveals the surprising figure that its valuation came in at. The Erskine house that we just talked about. So we bought it for three ninety five, rents for five twenty. We did a valuation, and it came back at five uh, five hundred. So again, again, maybe for another episode, but equally as important when you're buying in this market as well, wherever you're buying, right? Doesn't matter if you're buying on the water in in in, in Sydney or if you're buying these houses in Perth, the norm is about getting bargains, right? You should, we should be shopping for bargains. You should be getting off markets. You should be looking for distressed sellers. Um, and this is one of the ways to increase yield as well. So let's let's assume this house is not worth 500. Let's assume it's worth, let's say 450 or 470, right? On a 470K purchase, let's pay, say you pay market value for it. At even 520 a week, the, the cash flow is good, but not like amazing, right? So buying bargains will also help getting get your high cash flow. You know, three ninety five on five twenty a week. That's that's great. That's like that. Not only absorbs the interest today, but probably a few more rate rises moving forward. And ultimately, that's what's going to enable you to not only hold on to this house, but also buy more. And that's the key thing that I think we've talked about on numerous occasions is your entry. You know, you got to buy well. You're not going to make your money when you purchase it. And you realize it when you sell one day. Um, another example, just, you know, uh, a house in Greenfields. I don't know if people know Greenfields, but it's in uh, it's all the way down in an area called Mandura in Perth. Now, Mandura and Greenfields has, has not had the best of reputation in the past. I'll be honest. It's, it's one of those areas where it's... Uh, it used to be, and maybe even still is in some pockets, you know, a little bit low socio, right? But this particular buyer, and like I've recognized that, um, uh, I've recognized that, you know, if the fundamentals on the ground are right, sometimes these are the areas where you can have, um, you, you can set yourself for a lot of growth. Right. So another thing about Greenfields and Mandura is that we are noticing a, a larger influx of these owner occupiers and first time buyers moving there. So that's why we're, we're in this area. And if you look at the map geographically, you're, you're right next to areas like Hall's Head, which is like a really nice waterfront feel. You know, you've got canal houses, you've got really nice beaches and facilities and things like that. So from my perspective, it's it, they're quite some. Um, uh, uh, it, it's only going to be a matter of time before these areas start start pumping. You know, when it happens, nobody knows. Yeah, it's the neighbouring suburb. So if you've already got an adjacent suburb that's already got a, a good value, then it's only a matter of time that it just falls. Uh, uh, yeah, what's it called? The the f- effect, the flow and effect, where basically yeah, you get one suburb go up and then it just flows on. We see that in Melbourne. Like in Melbourne, I always say this. Like there's a the, the Franks, Frankston is a really good example in Melbourne. You know, Frankston is on the water. It's right next to Seaford. It's right next to like a lot of these suburbs on the, on the beach, on the water. That's uh, super expensive. 
But for some reason, Frankston's just in in the in the past, it's just been considered too low socio or left behind. I think DUI is a good example in Sydney. You know, DUI. If you look twenty years ago, it was like the difference between DUI and 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 freshwater uh, or anywhere along the northern beaches was night and day in terms of like perception, qualities perception. But now it's kind of like the same as any of the other suburbs. Like that low socioeconomic element has has gone, and part of the reason for that is people were thinking, wait, hold on, literally a couple of hundred meters down the road, the price differences is is like here and here. Like you know that maybe we should look at it. It's not that bad, is it? It's not like people are getting stabbed <laughs> every day on the Esplanade or anything like that. It's is it real? Is it is it just perceived? It's like that with any market when you think about it. It is perception at this point in time. Like people perceiving that things are really bad when interest rates gone up. But yeah, and then that's obviously driven some prices down, and hence the reason why there's potential opportunities and bargains. So cash flow is very like you'll, you'll hear a lot of people say cash flow is not. The most important, the most important thing is capital growth. The most important thing is actually both, right? You can't have capital growth without cash flow because you can't afford to wait until the capital growth happens. And you, you know, without cash flow, you can't build a large enough portfolio of properties to actually make you meaningful returns, right? Because if these houses double, like we paid three, four hundred thousand dollars for them, yeah, you make three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, which isn't a big deal, like in the scheme of. A, a lifetime yeah but if you've got several of them that's where it adds up so it's kind of like how do you hold by that much how do you hold on to that much until that happens is what we're trying to is what any investor should be looking to achieve so can we go back a little bit just to talk a little bit about greenfield the house there um what was the criteria behind why that purchaser um felt that it was comfortable because as you said it was a little bit of a lower social economical area and why did they not choose something closer um or similar you know, to Perth. So Greenfields and Mandura, like there's there's several parts to it. It's like there's parts that we definitely avoid and there's parts that we don't have an issue in buying. It. Now, the, this particular investor, even though it was his first time, uh, it was a couple, sorry, it was their first time in buying property, they they were quite comfortable with me, um, uh, uh, I would say, um, educating them into what area or what type of properties to buy right now i don't say that i've got a crystal ball or anything but at the end of the day whether we're buying in greenfields whether we're buying closer to the city whether we're buying in a blue chip suburb it doesn't matter for me what's made me and my property portfolio um successful is the fact that we're just focusing on getting deals on getting bargains right so we saw this house, you know, we paid $385,000 for it. It's a four bedroom, two bathroom, one garage house on close to 900 square meters. So a, a really, really large block, a uh, very usable block as well. It's got good side access. It's got a lot of space in the back. If you wanted to add a granny flat, that's entirely possible. Um, very good part as well. You know, you, you're walking to everything, you know, major shopping centers, you, it's not walk to the beachfront. I mean, it, it is. It would be a long, a very long walk, but you know, it's in like maybe five minutes drive. It's still pretty close. It was a good, good property, and like internally, externally, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, the house is maybe about twenty years old, um, a little bit of wear and tear. You know, um, 
I'm actually clicking through it as we're speaking. <laughs> so like, I'm just looking at the at the pictures. Um, and yeah, like, you know, good kitchen, good floors, good walls, multiple living areas, large outdoor patio area, you know, good backyard, that type of thing. Very flat level black backyard. So like all those kind of physical fundamentals are ticked. But most importantly, we look at value. You know, so we pay 385 and a house of this kind of nature or this size, block size, you know, should be selling well into, uh, you know, I would say close to around about the 450K-ish mark um, is, is, is the main reason why, uh, why the buyer and myself decided it was a, 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 a pretty, a pretty good deal, you know? And again, we were surprised because we, you know, paying three, um, actually we ended up paying 317, not 385. We negotiated some more money off when we did the inspections. Um, but, um, the, we anticipated the property to maybe rent for like, 450 460 a week and exactly the same thing happened to erskine and he just ended up renting for 500 a week pretty much immediately like literally on the day of settlement because we yeah because we instructed the property manager to advertise the property prior to settlement and on the day of settlement there was a tenant that was moving in at 500 a week so again that on those numbers three my mass is terrible 500 what's 500 on 370 500, 7% yield on the dot pretty much, right? So 7% yield, um, 7% yield on a standard house, you know, no dual living, no weird sort of setup with two kitchens, no uh, boardroom, like boarding room kind of setup or anything like that, no dual occupancy. It's just a straight, normal four-bed house you know, to a good family that's renting for 7% rental, you're like, that's, from my perspective, that's like bulletproof, you know, in an area where vacancy, yeah, in, a, in an area where vacancy rates are also less than half a percent. Um, you know, it's like, I, I wouldn't mind, like if I was starting again, I, I wouldn't mind holding a dozen of these these types of properties and you just sit there and wait. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. I think there's a there's a lot of gold in what you said there, and I think it's it's moving with where the market is. You know, the trend. Obviously, not everyone has a crystal ball, and uh, no one can predict what's going to happen. But once again, it's almost repeating the same process um, that you did back when you purchased your properties over in Brisbane, in in Logan area. Because you know, the thing is, you you were looking at cash flow, and you're looking at buy and bargain prices. And you purchase enough of them that you know over a period of time a decade and a little bit over a decade they started to move and they've moved substantially and it's it's the same process and you know there's a formula there that you're able to follow and other people can also learn and follow as well and that's a proven formula that works that's a very good analogy because when i remember when i first started buying my initial portfolio that got me to uh, quit, quit my day job at the time you know i was paying six percent seven percent uh, interest rates, you know, before they gradually came down. So, you know, back then there was like, especially when you were buying up in, I was buying heavily, heavily in Brisbane, there was no signs of growth. You know, people talk about Logan, people talk about Ipswich, they talk about Morton Bay. Like the narrative five, 10 years ago was that it was just like, why would you even bother looking at these areas? They're never going to grow. You're wasting your time. Uh, the tenancies are bad, all that kind of stuff, right? 
but I knew I, I didn't care. No, not only did I not care per se, but I didn't have a choice. You know, when you're faced with the prospect of six, seven percent interest rates, the only way to get around that is to buy a house at seven percent yield. You know, just to offset the interest rates alone. Like I, I, I didn't know, but I had a lot of confidence that these areas were going to um, shift. Right, it was going to. It would not stay at two hundred to three hundred thousand uh, dollar area anymore. At some point in time. Yeah, and I think everyone kind of knows that usually is what happens across the board. It's just when is that going to happen? Because we've seen it happen across every single state. Yeah, correct. And look, I got in very early, like way before there was any noise of or inkling of the areas like in Logan and Ipswich starting to go up. But I don't. I don't expect investors to go. You know, take that risk as well. You know, just go completely buy in an area where there's almost zero growth prospects at the time. But it, I think it's also uh, possible to identify areas that's at the very start of that sort of, should we say, boom phase. Um, and and the the thing that I always come back to that always shows the first sign of that is when you start getting a massive increase in owner occupier first-home buyer, young family activity. Because when they when they start going in, a couple of things happen. Number one, you know the area, the type of people's demographics is starting to change. The lifestyle of these, um, of, 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 of this particular type of demographic demands things like nice cafes, nice parks, um, uh, the, the the quality of the schools, you know, that all changes following the influx of these young families. Um, that ultimately raises the profile of the of the suburb or, or the area. Um, and this happens much quicker than you think. Like if I look at Brisbane and some of these Logan suburbs that I bought in where, um, you know, they used to be super low socio, you know, Logan Lee and Eden's Landing and Bethania and Crestmead, Marsden. Like, you know, the, the type of people living there or, or buying these properties there now are completely different to the types of people that were buying just five years ago. You know, five years ago, it would have been a mixture of investors like myself um, or like a, maybe like a, a low a, a low income, you know, work a blue collar worker, something, you know, that kind of level, like demographic, if that makes sense. Um, and, uh, and now the people buying there are like IT couple professionals, you know, looking at, pla- at a place to, uh, to, um, call home. They're looking, you know, interstate buyers, like interstate buyers that are migrating to, 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 uh, to, to Brisbane, looking at areas like Logan Lee now. Because, uh, you know, they're going, oh, wow, not only is it affordable somewhat still, uh, but you're 30 minutes to the Gold Coast and then 30 minutes to the Brisbane and you've got the Logan, uh, the Hyperdome and you've got all these like amenities there and decent schools and all that kind of stuff. So that's where, that's where um, a lot of these areas tend to, tend to come, come, come on its own, right, and, and come out to a point where it's like, like a, a, actually a decent place to live. It's amazing how that can happen and, and that's the thing. You can only 
you can't time it, but you can only um, wait and see and hold. And that's the thing. As we said at the beginning of this, the reason why rental income is important or cash flow is important, it helps you allow you to be able to hold on to these properties, which allows you to ride the growth, which is what we've pretty much been talking about this whole episode. So important. One thing to take away from listeners uh, for this particular episode is that whatever you're doing now, like now is actually a really great time to be accumulating a portfolio because we're seeing and getting like better bargains. Number one, that should be the norm. Number one thing is ensuring that you're not paying retail uh, for any property. Number two is focusing on areas that have a very high cash flow, very low vacancy rate to absorb these interest rate rises and possibly what's going to happen in the next one to two years where there's like going to be a bit of a global economic uh, crunch, shall we say. Um, everyone's talking about it, looming, looming things happening. Um, and also ensuring that like they're in locations that are going through or are currently going through or have that potential to gentrify, to change into a better area. And these tend to exist, gentrify. These these are the areas that tend to uh, experience uh, short term, shorter term growth, shall we say? And we also prefer these areas to be near capital cities. Thank you to buyer's agent Simon Liu, our guest on this special episode of Invest Like a Pro presented by Housefinder. Also, for being a loyal listener of the podcast, I've asked Simon to offer a free one-hour strategy session normally valued at $500 to help you put together an actionable property plan. To get your free strategy session, simply visit housefinder.com.au and fill out the contact form or call Simon directly on 0415-626-342 and quote, Property Investory. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.